Okay, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the Dana Buckler Show. My name is Dana, and I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Michael Scott. How are you today, sir? I am doing well today, sir. Thank you. How are you? I'm doing really good. Thank you for asking. So, here we are on to part three of our continuing look at the Rambo franchise. Now, just to recap for the listeners, you and I gave universal praise for First Blood. We gave almost the opposite, <laughs> however you would define, define that, almost the opposite for Rambo First Blood Part 2. However, you did give the book a resounding you know, positive score. Yeah, the the book, you know, and, and I gave the movie a a minor recommendation um, as well. But uh, but I thought the book, the novelization was was absolutely terrific. You know, for those who uh, don't remember, it was it was written by David Morrell, the author of of the original First Blood book, and he really tried to do something with it, as he says in his foreword, and that's going to be even more appropriate this episode. He tried to write the novelization as though the movie was the movie adaptation of a book that he had written beforehand. Um, And that was really the mindset that he used is he wanted to write the book that didn't exist that they used to make Rambo 2. And I think it really works like gangbusters. It's really a fantastic read. Um, And so I did give the the novelization uh, about as high of a recommendation as I can give. I mean, make no mistake about it, putting our thoughts aside. Rambo First Blood Part 2, released in 1985, was incredibly successful, incredibly popular film. And, you know, it was only going to be a matter of time when you have the kind of numbers that that film had that a sequel was inevitably going to come out. But before we get to the sequel, let's just spend a few minutes talking about the three movies that were in between the release of Rambo First Blood and First Blood Part 2 and Rambo 3. Now, we briefly touched on Rocky IV released the same year. Just recap your thoughts on Rocky IV. So I love Rocky IV. I like to call it Montage the Movie because it's, I think there's no fewer than six montages in the entire movie. It, it's certainly a rah-rah piece of, you know, we talked a lot about this on the last episode, that the, these movies were made at the height of Reagan's America. Reagan had just been re-elected in 84, and, and, and what we really had here was just the height of, of America, and, and Russia, you know, as the evil empire, as as Reagan called them. They, they made very convenient villains for the first part part of of the 80s and uh it you know rocky four is the epitome of that i mean it's pure propaganda i love it because i think it's got actually some of the best montages and 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 quite frankly i think arguably the best fight of any rocky movie until creed just in terms of how it's shot and how it's choreographed and and stuff like that and you know rocky solves the cold war uh (laughs) for those who you know if i can change and you can change then we all can change you know i mean it's just it's ridiculous but i love it i love it in its ridiculousness i think it has a sense of fun that's a little bit missing from from First Blood Part 2. Um, I, I definitely would rank Rocky Four much higher than First Blood Part 2. And I am an unabashed fan of Rocky Four. I mean, I've done an episode on it with my my friend, Other Mike. And I just look, it's the first Rocky film that I ever watched as a kid. And so, of course, like I was, I was all in. The next one that came out was 1986's Cobra. Now, the very, there's a very brief backstory to Cobra. The original script for Beverly Hills Cop was a much more serious film and Stallone came on board and he reworked it. The producers Brockheimer and Simpson ultimately wanted to keep it more lighthearted and they cast Eddie Murphy. So Stallone took the script that he wrote for Beverly Hills Cop and kind of reworked it and we got Cobra. Now, Cobra is a film I've seen two or three times in my lifetime, and it's not one that I ever really want to revisit, but every time I do revisit, I'm just, it's such an interesting case study for a, for a 1980s film. It's, it's Stallone, it's excess, it's 80s, it's got robots. What, what are your thoughts on Cobra? I, I mean, Cobra's a movie, you said you've seen it two or three times. It's probably a movie I've seen 20 or 30 times in my life. I saw it in the theater opening weekend. You know, this was really, Cobra was really, I've said before on these these 
podcast that I was a Stallone guy far more than I was a Schwarzenegger guy. And Cobra was really like the culmination of that. I love Cobra. I think it's a nasty, hateful little movie. Um, I think there's a lot of criticisms that can be levied against it. I think uh, it's kind of a bit of a mess. You know, it's this weird amalgamation of like a serial killer slasher movie with Stallone ass kicking cop you know, action movie. Um, but I love it. I love it. I cannot separate. It's one of those movies that I will, I will own up to. I cannot separate my nostalgia from Cobra. If I were to see it again today for the first time, I don't know that I would feel the same way about it. Although, uh, I know that it, played a couple years ago uh patrick played it for f this movie fest and it played uh the people who hadn't seen it before it it still played uh just because there's there's a lot of really memorable things you know let alone uh, one of the most famous ones is you know he cuts his pizza with scissors while he's cleaning his gun and, and so there's just weird unusual things it's him reteaming with george cosmatos from from first blood part two uh I think it's pretty terrific. And it was a pretty decent, for Stallone, it was a pretty decent box office success for him. It wasn't on par with Rambo or Rocky IV, but it was uh, it was a pretty decent box office success. And it's one of those films, it's it's pure 80s in the sense that this is, a, he's an unstoppable person in this film. You know, he he doesn't run out of ammo, you know, every, every if he gets shot, it's a flesh wound. Like, it's it's a perfect demonstration of an 80s action film. What I love about it, too, is also with a little bit of a winking nod, it's almost like he's trying to adopt a little bit more of Arnie's self-deprecation because his character's name, it's called Cobra because that's his nickname, but his name is Marion Cabretti. And again, for those who have seen it, or even if you haven't, this isn't a spoiler, you know, there's a line when Bridget Nielsen finds out that his name is Marion. He tells her that, you know, he always wanted a tougher name like Alice. Like, there's just, there's a there's a lot more winking in self is as invincible as he is in it he's doing it with a bit of a, a twinkle in his eye that is something that we don't always see from stallone sometimes stallone's biggest problem is he takes himself so goddamn seriously now he follows that up with 1987's over the top which i will make no bones about i love this movie I recognize that it's one of the most ridiculous films ever made, but I invite listeners to go back and listen to the episode that myself and other Mike did on Over the Top. It was it was some of the, it was one of the most fun episodes that I've ever recorded. I just had a blast doing it. I love this movie. I recognize it's bad, but I love it. I don't know if I've ever asked you your thoughts on Over the Top. I'm kind of with Over the Top like you are with Cobra. I've seen it two or three times. I've enjoyed it. I think the Sammy Hagar theme song is an all-timer. Um, I, 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 I've probably listened to the soundtrack of Over the Top. 20 times more than I've listened to the earth than I've seen the movie. The most interesting thing about over the top though, in terms of context for us is first blood part two and, and, Rocky Four were were mega smashes. I mean, they were huge. Cobra was a box office success, but it was uh, an R-rated movie, very violent. It was down. Over the Top was an absolute bomb. Um, and it was one of the handful of bombs back to back to back that ultimately led to the destruction of canon films. If you've never seen the documentary Electric Boogaloo, uh, the history, the untold history of canon films, you know, over the top was it, it, it hurt Stallone. It destroyed canon. It, it was just an absolute failure on every level, uh, regardless of whether we enjoy watching it now or not. I don't think there's any way to describe it as other than just a mega bomb. And it was one of three films that canon put out that year that were that really went against the grain of their model. We're talking about Superman for the Quest for Peace, Masters of the Universe, and Over the Top. All of these movies had what I would call mega budgets compared to a typical canon film. Yeah, and that was the problem. They they wanted to play with the big boys. And so they, you know, they signed all these filmmakers and actors to essentially exclusive contracts. They gave them multi-picture deals and they funneled, you know, and again, they weren't mega budgets compared to what the mega budget studios were doing. But they were far more than, you know. Canon spent 
on over the top what they made probably all of their ninja movies combined, you know, and uh, and they weren't none of those three. I have a lot of affinity for Masters of the Universe and I have affinity for Superman four just because I'm never not going to have affinity for Christopher Reeve. But none of the three are what you would call very good movies by any stretch of the imagination. And so they they all were mega bombs and and literally they came out in, you know, 87 and I want to say Canon was out of business by like 1989. Don't quote me on that, but it was just a couple of years later that they were they closed up shop and they were done. That's an interesting one. I'm sure there's an episode in the making where we discuss a little bit more at length Canon films because now in 2020, I am a ravenous consumer of Canon films. I try to watch as many as possible. And I, uh, I'll openly admit, like, I love them. I, I love them. I love them for what they are. No, I mean, can I grew up on Canon films. I mean, especially, you know, people that listen know I'm the action guy. I mean, that's, that's what my area of expertise is and a good portion of that is grown up on canon movies between the ninja movies between the chuck norris movies that they put out i mean canon and my growth as a, a film fan especially a genre film fan cannot be separated i owe canon everything i think about movies i owe to canon i love canon but the problem is is canon had a model and they were very successful at it and when they tried to change that model it was a very bad idea for them absolutely and i'm going to second what mike said about electric boogaloo i've seen that documentary three or four times now and it's interesting like premium not premium vod but like plunked down the dollars to rent that movie like three or four times like that's how much i enjoy that documentary so that's the strongest of recommendations yeah, I agree. Uh, Mark Hartley that directed it is one of the best film historian documentary filmmakers working. I think he's just absolutely fantastic. And that might be his best movie. I, I love it. Listen, here's the bottom line. Like, I'm obsessed with Breaking and Breaking 2. We'll leave it at that. We're done with talking about <laughs> canon films, but I am obsessed with those movies. And we'll talk about those in another episode. And that's the thing, is we can't separate canon from this conversation because Stallone put himself, you know, Cobra was also a canon film. So Stallone was one of those guys that signed that contract, you know, signed that multi-picture deal with canon. The mediocre success of Cobra and the bomb of Over the Top is what leads us to Rambo 3. Like, those things are because Stallone needed a hit. After Over the Top, he needed a hit. And he wasn't at a point where he could go back to Rocky. So what well is he going to go back to here? He's going to go back to Rambo. And if you want to talk about budgets, Rambo 3, and we'll get into it, at the time was the most expensive film ever made. You know, when we get to some things about what I like about the film, that shows on screen, and we'll get to that. But I will ask you this, Mike, when did Rambo 3 come on your radar, and what, if any, anticipation did you have for the film? So it's it's actually interesting, because I was still a Stallone guy. I loved Rambo 2 when I was a kid. I talked about that. You know, I think less of it now. I loved Rocky 4. I loved Cobra. But for whatever reason, I just just didn't have a ton of anticipation for Rambo 3. I think it first came on my radar. So 98, I'd have been, or 88, sorry, I'd have been 12. I'd have been in junior high. I was already subscribing to Premiere. My parents got me a subscription for Premiere Magazine, which for those who don't know, back in the day was kind of the, the Premiere, haha, the uh, Premiere film magazine if you didn't have access to the trades, which living in Salt Lake City, I for sure didn't have access to the trades. And so it first popped up and I remember, I can't remember if it was in the magazine or at the time MTV also had a half hour weekly show branded with Premiere, hosted by Premiere's editor, Chris Connolly, where they talked about movies and they talked about the budget of this movie and that it was essentially like something along the lines of blowing up the wind, taking the wheel of fortune out to the desert and blowing it up. Like it, I, I can't remember exactly what it was, but this was one of the first times in my life where I became 
aware of the budget and the behind the scenes kind of strife and turmoil uh, before I was really even aware of the movie. Uh, you know, that's par for the course now. Now we all get set reports and this movie's in trouble and we all know the budget and those of us that are have problems check the box office every weekend. Well, we used to when people could actually go to movies. Check the box office every weekend and stuff like that. This was the first time I really remembered doing that. I was more aware of how expensive and how over budget and over time this movie had gone that I really was anything about the actual movie. How about you? I remember putting myself into 88. I was 10 years old at the time. And I can just recall, honestly, for me, a couple little trailers, a couple little, not even trailers, a couple little snippets on Entertainment Tonight. You mentioned Premiere Magazine. For me, I would watch Entertainment Tonight religiously every night just to get some snippets of what was going on in the uh, the entertainment world and i remember this film was was featured prominently sort of the production woes and i also remember you know my local newspaper remember do you remember the newspapers they used to have almost you know quarter page Adverts, adverts for what movies were getting ready to play. And I just remember the Rambo 3 one. And I, I just can't remember if I was even amped up or excited. I mean, I was 10 years old. I had zero idea of what the plot of the film was about. I had no idea what was going on in the world. I think I... I don't really think there was much of an anticipation. I do remember the first time I saw the film was 89 when it came out on home video. But that's that's about the extent of, of, of my thoughts on it. Like, I don't remember much about it at all yeah i'm i'm the same way you know i i think i mentioned the last episode that so much of my movie watching is because of my parents and for reasons good and bad uh my dad just did not vibe on rambo i've got him to turn around now he he digs first blood he really dug rambo for but in 1988, he, there was no way I was seeing this in the theater. And so I didn't see it until it came out on VHS either. And quite frankly, I'm I'm not – at the time, I just remember I wasn't even that excited to watch it on VHS. I don't, I don't have enough recollection of my childhood to know why in 1985 I was all in on Rambo and why by 1988 – I could give two shits about him. But the reality is, in that three years, I stopped giving a shit about Rambo. You know, before we get into, like, I want to get into the, the the plot of the film, and I also want to get into David Morrell's uh, novelization of this. But you had mentioned that there was some strife behind the scenes, and I was just doing a little reading up here, and I did not realize that Russell McKayley was originally brought on to direct the film, and Russell McKayley was famous, he had famously directed The Highlander. Uh, can you speak to kind of what happened with him, and, and does this sort of lend credence to the once again idea that Stallone kind of directs these movies himself? Yeah, I mean, that's literally exactly what happened. Russell McKay, he had directed a, an Australian movie called Razorback, which got him the job directing Highlander. And he uh, he came, you know, he he came highly recommended. He's a director for those that haven't seen Russell Mulcahy movies. What He is a highly stylized iconoclastic's not the right word so and i really hate the term visionary but just for lack of a better term i'm going to say visionary director he he wants to direct his movies the way he does and he was replaced after two weeks uh he he came on uh he was replaced after two weeks three cinematographers left the movie. Um, and the reality is, is because as much as I love him, I will just say Stallone is a monster egomaniac. I mean, his ego is uh, the stuff of legend and he cannot, this is why I mentioned it the last episode. I think he liked Cosmatos so much because the, the write up on Cosmatos, whether you agree with it or not, is that he was the director you wanted. If you wanted a puppet, if you were an actor 
and you wanted to have control over the movie, but because of, you know, DGA requirements or SAG requirements or whatever, you couldn't actually be the director, Cosmatos would basically just come in and follow your orders. That's not Russell Mulcahy. That's never been Russell Mulcahy, for better or worse. And uh, and so what we get again is, is he leaves and they bring in Peter McDonald, who I actually have some very kind things to say about Peter McDonald, but there's some quotes floating around out there uh, from him that it was a, it was a very difficult shoot for him because uh, Stallone was taking it so seriously. And he was basically saying, this is just a cartoonish, almost exploitation movie. And it was very hard for him to put on a serious face to film this movie. I mean, this was uh, this is just textbook Stallone making a mess out of everything behind the scenes. Um, and that's just kind of what Stallone does, uh, unfortunately. And that hasn't changed even now in his old age. He still manages to make messes out of movies behind the scenes. You know, First Blood is about a Vietnam vet returning back to America. First Blood Part 2 is Rambo going back to Vietnam to search for POW camps. I mean, these hot-button issues. The plot of Rambo 3 was, to me, one of the more puzzling ideas or decisions to make because it was involving a conflict that was still happening in real time. I say this because by the time Rambo Part 2 comes out, the Vietnam War is... 10 years in the rearview mirror. I mean, it's still fresh on everyone's mind, but it's not a conflict that's still happening. And it's something that there, uh, even, even though there's not a resolution, there was somewhat of a conclusion to what happened. The decision to involve Afghanistan and the Soviet Union's invasion of Afghanistan, to me, is very, very puzzling because at the time that they were filming this, uh, filming the movie, this conflict was still happening. I, I have to ask you your thoughts on you know this decision. Well, it's clearly a bit of a Stallone decision, right? Because uh, without jumping too far ahead, he does the same thing in Rambo 4, which is that set during the conflict in Myanmar, which was going on at the time and is still going on. And then Rambo 5, Rambo Last Blood, is set ostensibly, again, I don't want to lay my cards on the table so- too soon, but ostensibly during something that is is present. So I, I think it's pretty clear that Stallone felt like he wanted Rambo to be more topical. He wanted Rambo to be more on the point of what's going on in the world, which I can, to a certain extent, I can understand. And again, I don't want to get you know, we'll have time to talk about the Morell novelization, but Morell really digs into that in the novelization that for Rambo, he initially doesn't want to go into Afghanistan because it's not his war. And that what he ultimately realizes is that every war is his war. And so, you know, I, I understand the sentiment had they made the movie based on Morell's novelization. I think it could have actually kind of worked. What I think we get with the movie is something that comes across as incredibly tacky because we have cartoonish Russian villains, which, as I said earlier, you know, Russians were the go-to villains in the 80s, but they are so friggin cartoonish in this they're almost snidely whiplash levels of cartoonish you know you you half expect them to be tying troutman to railroad tracks (laughs) waiting for a train to come and what you get is a very not nuanced view of the the mujahideen they're they're just this you know almost innocent group and it's a very convenient thing to do. And, and folks, uh, you know, we're going to have to address it sooner or later. We obviously understand and and trust Dana and I have talked about this a lot before we recorded this episode. We understand what Afghanistan meant post 2001 and that there's probably some of you that are listening that were even over in Afghanistan. The only way we can talk about this movie is to talk about it as a time capsule of 1988. This movie is trapped in amber by John Hammond. There's just no way we can talk about it any other way. Uh, But 
even given that the the portrayal of the mujahideen is almost naively they're they're not real people in this movie i i think choosing to go into afghanistan is just absolutely a mistake for this movie it doesn't work it doesn't give us any real investment you know I'm rambling here a little bit. No, no, no. You're spot on, though. You're spot on. I mean, I'm just I'm echoing everything you're saying. You know, the whole point of Rambo going back to Vietnam and First Blood Part Two was for him to get whether you agree with it or not. He gets to win the war that he lost. He's got no investment here other than Troutman. And unfortunately, the movie does not sell that relationship. I, I again, I will say the Morell novel just kills the relationship with Rambo and Troutman. I mean, it's awesome what Morell does. And it makes much more sense. But the movie is so shallow about almost everything that it does that it just, it's a bad decision. And I don't, again, I don't want to put my cards on the table, but the biggest problem I have with this movie is this feels so far removed from the Rambo that I know from the first two movies and the first two books. This almost doesn't even feel like the same character. Um, And I I just think there were really bad decisions made from the script level on when it comes to this movie. And it's, it's interesting when you look at the marketing for the film it's almost like they knew the studio knew after this film was done that you know they they need to market this a certain way so the marketing was basically like the first one was for him the second one was for his country the third one now it's to save a friend you know it's not even like touching on what the conflict of this movie is about and then let's also talk about the, by the time this film is released the soviets have been were withdrawing from afghanistan correct uh if i remember correctly yes i I'm, I'm not a historian. Uh, Colin and Jarrett, you know, you guys, if you're listening, let us know if we're wrong on that. But if I recall correctly, this was right around the time they were starting to pull out. It's one of these situations where if you want to do a plot where, you know, Rambo, it's now Rambo's turn to help Troutman because Troutman helped him, tried to help him in the first one, got him out of jail, got him out of prison in the second one. You could have picked any spot in the world. You You had the budget for... Anywhere in the world. He could have done a story about Troutman trapped in Antarctica, for God's sakes. Doesn't matter. You could have done it. And you mentioned that, you know, the subsequent Rambo films sort of take place with period-specific conflicts that are happening in the world. And it's almost like Rambo solves every one of these conflicts. And it's, I guess it must speak to what you said about Stallone's ego. Like, well, if anyone can fix these conflicts, it's Rambo. Yeah, and the thing is where this one really, I think, fails. And again, I don't want to put my cards on the table, but I think Rambo 4 works. He goes into Myanmar, but he's not solving Myanmar. He's rescuing some people. It's a very narrow conflict, much like he's rescuing POWs. The one thing I will say, Morell, I, I get, I get what they were trying to go for. So in the novelization, there are several and I'll talk about the differences later, but there are several passages and chapters and characters and speeches comparing Afghanistan for Russia to Vietnam for the U.S. The idea being that these are both wars in which their respective countries had no business getting involved in. And Morell pulls it off in the novelization. It makes sense why it's Afghanistan. It makes sense thematically for Rambo, for Troutman, even the Mujahideen and the Russians. It all thematically ties into the first two books, um, assuming that, again, you know, we know Rambo dies in, in the first first blood, but it's it's thematically coherent in a way that this movie isn't. Because, yeah, you're right, Dana. In this movie, really, ultimately, the Russians are the villains. Why not have Troutman, you know, go into Russia and Rambo has to sneak into Russia because it's like it ain't like everybody in Russia was real happy to be living under a communist regime. So you could have had him team up with some rebels or some people or whatever. You could have done it in Russia. And it, it if we're already going to make the Russians these cartoonish victims or not victims, I apologize, uh, villains. Why are we going into such a complicated and nuanced area. I think you're right. It literally is Stallone's ego 
is such that he felt like, well, Rambo can solve this war. You know, I, I remember back post 2001, there was talk of him doing a Rambo where Rambo would go back to Afghanistan and essentially avenge us for September 11th. I mean, there are a few movies, I think, that Stallone's rampant ego is on display more than this one. This one is, it's almost offensive, to be honest with you, just the way this movie plays in a sandbox that is a real, tragic, horrific situation and turns it into uh, essentially a big, dumb action movie. Yeah. No, you're right. Let's just get into the novelization of of uh, Rambo 3. You had mentioned uh, in previous episode that David Morrell retained basically first right of refusal to do the novelizations of any Rambo film. And I'm wondering, this is one that I have not read. What type of forward does he give to this book? So about half the forward is the same forward from First Blood Part 2, where he's talking about how, you know, he didn't even know how to do it. And then the other half of the forward is about writing this one. And it's pretty clear from the forward that this one was much more of a struggle for him because there just wasn't the script there. There wasn't the framework there. And so this one, even if you read the novelization of First Blood Part 2, and then you watch the movie, they're the same thing. All the major plot points are the same. Everything happens in the same order. Everything, it's just Morel brings more depth, more nuance, more character development. He just makes it all better. I will tell you, Dana, the novelization of Rambo 3 is a completely different story. They are so tangentially related it's crazy literally troutman is captured in afghanistan rambo goes in to rescue him that is it that is all that is the same it is a completely different telling there are entire characters entire subplots entire things that are not in the movie that are in the book. And how many pages roughly is this book? 250, 300 maybe, uh, maybe not even 300. I read it on Kindle, so unfortunately sometimes on Kindle it's hard to know how many pages, but I read it in, I mean, I read it in a day. It's not a long read by any means, and it goes down easy. But it it's definitely, you can see, first of all, there are far fewer big action scenes. Morel really shaves down a lot of that big epic stuff that we'll talk about later. It is far more interested in character to character stuff during the action scenes. I mentioned earlier that this feels almost not like Rambo and it really doesn't to me. The character in the novelization, and I've said this before in the last episode, that I don't necessarily always love the movies, but I love the character of John Rambo. The Rambo in the book feels like Rambo. Everything he does, every decision he makes, everything he says or how he acts feels like Rambo. The movie, uh, he, he just kind of feels like Stallone, man. Like, he doesn't really feel like Rambo to me. How would you rank this book amongst amongst the three? Putting the movies aside. Well, it's a little tough because I putting the movies aside, I'd rank it second. I think First Blood is still the best. Um, and then First Blood Part 2 would be third. Not putting the movies aside... And seeing and realizing how much work Morell had to put in to turn something usable out of this movie, I would actually rank it first. Oh. Um, I think what he does is nothing short of amazing. This, I would strongly, strongly recommend the book. Give it a, an incredibly high recommendation. Uh, when we get to the end of the episode, that's not going to be how I feel about the movie. Let's just put it that way. Let's get into... The things we like about the film, and then we'll get into things we don't like about the film. I was watching this today, and again, having that affinity for practical effects, and just watching the film, and trying to separate myself from just the plot of the movie, which I agree with you, is borderline offensive. On a technical level, I think the movie looks really good. And I think that they clearly spared no expense in some of these action set pieces. I, my mind was immediately, my, my mind was blown just at that opening sequence where he's stick fighting in the beginning of the film. That has got to be a difficult scene to film 
with, you know, what is it, 300 extras just jammed in there with a single, uh, you know, uh, there's obviously a handheld camera going on in there. From the use of the helicopters to the use of the, you know, the practical explosions, the squibs and all that stuff. I was saying to myself when I was watching it today, technically speaking, this film, I think, looks very good. Now, that's that's one that's, I think, the only amount of praise that I can give the film. Yeah. And I mean... So Stallone did his own stick fighting in that. I, I don't want to again I get too get too bogged down, but you just brought it up, so I want to say it right now, really quick, and then I'll talk more about how the movie looks. So we open the movie with him basically stick fighting. In the book, we get a full chapter of him living in the monastery, trying to follow the path of Zen, seeing this stick fighting. Going back to it several nights in a row before he finally gives in to, you know, essentially the monster that's inside of him and participates. So it's like, again, that feels much more consistent with the Rambo that I know. Like to just drop in on Rambo, just stick fighting the Rambo that's literally trying to avoid violence. I mean, all of First Blood, the movie is about him trying to avoid killing people you know and and so it's like can you give us a little bit that maybe he doesn't want to just stick fight for money like that he might be torn about it but peter mcdonald hey if you look at his director credits not that exceptional Done a few episodes of tv shows uh stuff like that but if you look at his second unit credits which is what he really is is a second unit director guardians of the galaxy Percy Jackson and the Olympians, Born Ultimatum, the last or uh, three out of the seven Harry Potter movies, friggin Batman and Robin, which R.I.P. Joel Schumacher. But whatever you think about that movie, it looks and is directed beautifully. Peter McDonald knows what he's doing, and he really did make the movie look as good as I think it could look. And like you said earlier, Dana, all of that $60 million is on the screen. I mean, there's no question. Uh, every dollar in this movie, I guess, essentially, except for Stallone's salary, is on the screen. Um, it looks good. They spent the money and it shows. And and I, I say this, like, comparing it to First Blood Part 2. You know, I used to say, I, I kind of jokingly said that, you know, First Blood Part 2 looks like one of the most expensive canon films ever made. I think there is a night and day difference between the two films. And it wasn't Peter McDonald, the second unit director on First Blood Part 2. He was the second unit director on First Blood Part 2. Yeah, he was actually uncredited on that for some reason. I don't know the history of that, but he was the second unit director on that. That's how Stallone knew him and and wanted to bring him in when Mulcahy left. I will say I do really wonder what Russell Mulcahy's Rambo 3 would have looked like. Um, I bet it would have looked spectacular oh yeah i mean say what you want about the highlander series uh that first highlander visually speaking is incredible well and and we kind of get it because the resident evil movie that he directed uh which is the third one i'm drawing a blank on the the subtitle that all takes place in a desert in outside of las vegas and it looks i mean the way he shoots the desert say what you will about the quality of the movie but the way he shoots the desert and just the way you just feel hot, like just hot and thirsty and parched and miserable watching that movie is really impressive. And I would have loved to have seen him uh, take that on in this movie as well. So what do you have for uh, things you like about the film? All right. So I've bagged on him enough. And and I am going to say I don't like some of these things. But being a Stallone guy, some of the inherent charm that he can just bring I will admit, got to me. It's very clear. He just still, he takes Rambo seriously. He he thinks he's being the best Rambo he can be. Whether I agree with that decision or not, I don't know. But there's some, there's some pretty good lines. Uh, there's one where, you know, after he and Troutman escape, Troutman says, you know, how you holding up? And Rambo says, well, you trained us not to feel pain. And Troutman says, how's that working? And Rambo goes, hmm. Not that great. Don't take it personally. <laughs> you know, and I mean, I chuckled at that line. The problem is that line feels like a Cobra line. 
Yeah. John Rambo, that is not a line that John Rambo would say. It feels like a Cobra line. And that's what I feel like with this movie is it's really not Rambo 3. It's Sylvester Stallone goes to Afghanistan. But there's no question he puts in the physicality. He puts in the work. Some of the action scenes are incredibly well done. I like the scene in the cave at the end when, again, you know, we mentioned, I mentioned last episode, one of my favorite things is how Rambo is basically Jason Voorhees, but a good guy. And we get a similar thing where he's going through the cave, just taking out Russians one by one and hiding in the shadows. The guy that plays Masood is a Greek actor named Spiros Phokas. Uh, he's apparently a legendary Greek actor. I thought he brought his A-game. Uh, I thought he did a good job. Uh, that's about it. Uh, yeah. I would also say Rambo, the, the all-time, you know, if there's one scene that people remember from Rambo 3, uh, the, the money-making scene is Rambo cauterizing his stomach wound by putting gunpowder on the entrance and exit of the wound and then lighting it on fire. That scene rules. (laughs) You know what? It really does. It really does. There's the line. I have to mention the line when the guy says, who are you? I'm your worst nightmare. I love that. Yeah. I'm sorry. I yeah. love that. Yeah. Also, a, also a classic Rambo line. You know, there's some good stuff in this movie. I don't want to dissuade people and say that it's just one of the worst movies I've ever seen because it's it's not. It's too technically proficient to be one of the worst movies I've ever seen. Um, and there's some good stuff. And if you're like me and you just have a weakness for Stallone and Rambo, you're probably going to still pull some stuff out of it. We're talking about things we don't like about the film. I mean, we really touched on the most glaring issues with the film but you know when i was trying to think about if i could separate myself from you know the overarching plot of this movie and and where the setting is and where does it take place and you know the optics and you know how how it has not aged well at all and that's putting it mildly trying to look at it from just a a film standpoint i think this movie again suffers from the same situation that rambo first blood part two suffered from in my case and that was pacing this film almost is a beat for beat kind of get there set up introduce characters minor little action scene and then the last 30 minutes of the film is just balls to the wall which is the exact same blueprint for honestly every rambo film to follow but that again weighs on me and this movie comes in just a little over 90 minutes and my other issue with it of course is is pacing i think these rambo these first well excuse me i think second and third rambo sequels suffer from a real pacing issue so that's something i wrote down on things i don't like about the film Oh, I I for sure agree with you on this one. I think this one is boring as hell. Um, I I think there's a couple pretty spectacular action sequences in the last 30 minutes, like you said, but I'm not going to lie. I I, I think it had been, we we talked beforehand, I think it had been since about 2008 since I had seen this one. And, you know, and I routinely watch First Blood every one or two years. I watched First Blood Part 2 every probably three or four, maybe five years. I hadn't seen this one in almost 15 years, and I was struggling. Man, that first hour, when he's playing the game with the with the uh, Mujahideen, you know, the, the, the lamb game, which again, Morel goes into far more detail on in the book. I was just like, what are we even doing here? Like, come on. Like, this is... And we're so far from the tortured John that makes him a compelling character that I'm with you. I was just bored to tears for 75% of this movie. The way the movie ends... You know, the way First Blood ends, obviously Rambo is taken into custody. The way First Blood Part 2 ends, Rambo is off. You know, how are you going to live, John, day by day? The way this one ends, it's it's Rambo and Troutman in a Jeep driving away, sit, talking about how they're getting soft. I'm really curious because it, it it's almost... I think close to 20 years before we get a, another Rambo film. So I'm curious in the novelization how Morel ends the story. So he ends it. So first of all, the whole third act is completely different. It's much more Rambo gets Troutman out. Troutman is severely injured. So he's carrying him. They have to build, you know, a a sled to carry him because Troutman can't 
He can't shoot. He can't walk. He's on the brink of death the whole time. There's a secondary character who's a Dutch aid worker uh, named Michelle. She's a doctor that's with them. Musa, who who is in the movie, but has a much bigger role in the novel. It's just the four of them trying to get away. They have to climb up mountains. It's very much first blood where they're being hunted by a superior force and Rambo has to use all of his skills to get them away. And then at the very end, they're surrounded. The Mujahideen come and rescue him. But you don't get something like you don't get the quip where Rambo goes, well, I guess surrounding him's out of the question, right? Like, which is just, are you kidding me? John Rambo doesn't say that. He doesn't say any of that. They fight off the Russians. He kills the the Russian colonel. The big Russian sergeant that he blows up in the cave in the book actually defects because he's so ashamed and insulted by how the colonel was a coward. And he basically defects to the uh, Mujahideen because he says that uh, life is suffering. He's made his specialty suffering. And so he now fights with them because they understand suffering, uh, which is... It, 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 that's going to sound terrible the way I'm relaying it, but it works in the book. And the very end of the book is Troutman goes back and Rambo basically has a realization that his destiny is to protect those who can't protect themselves and in that maybe hopefully finding some redemption. It almost sets up Rambo 4 as a movie better than Rambo 3 the movie does. Okay. Um, it, it, it ends... Like, the ending of the book is uh, 100% stronger than the ending of the movie. It's a real pattern developing when we talk about the book versus the movie here. <laughs> so, yeah. Mike, would you recommend Rambo 3? I cannot, especially because I don't want to jump too far ahead. But having seen the other two Rambos, this movie adds absolutely nothing to the franchise. The Rambo that we meet in Rambo 4 is the Rambo that left in Rambo 2. It's the Rambo that's living day by day, right? Th this movie, you can cut this movie out and in no way, shape, or form does it affect the viewing or enjoyment of any of the other Rambo movies. And uh, I don't think there's enough good stuff in it to justify watching it. I This is one, I'm actually going to give this one a strong not recommend. I'm going to second that. This is a film that when I was watching it today, and, you know, again, I, I respect the technical aspect of this film. Like you said, this is not the worst film ever made. But if you're looking for the character of Rambo, like you said, you can find him better represented in other films in this franchise. If you're looking for 80s action films with, you know, the, you know, stereotypical, you know, invincible, never run out of ammo type of action star or action movie, you can find 20 better representations of that than this film. This one, I think, was Stallone swinging for the fences and, you know, whiffing on the pitch. Like, he he didn't hit it. He didn't even connect with the ball on this one. So, no, this is this is definitely a not recommend. I would recommend First Blood Part 2 way above this film. If, you're, if you have to watch one of those two films, I would definitely tell you to watch the second one. Yeah, it, you know, and if you wanted to watch similar films to this, I actually made a list as I was watching it. You know, Red Scorpion with Dolph Lundgren is far superior to this. Delta Force with Chuck Norris is far superior to this. Commando, obviously, with Schwarzenegger is far superior to this. Like, if you want 80s, 80s action, and even if you got a Jones on for, like, Russians or desert fighting or whatever, there are, like you said, Dana, there are 20 better movies. There's easily better Rambo movies. There's easily better 80s action movies and there's easily even better 80s action movies with Russians as the bad guys. Like there's just I just don't see a scenario where there would be any reason to ever watch this movie unless you're like us and you stupidly agreed to do a podcast on Rambo. Movies. <laughs> I would be remiss if I did not mention Hot Shots Part 2. 
which uh, has several scenes in that film that lampoon this movie in particular. And I'm just curious because we've never brought up the Hot Shots films before. If you think Hot Shots Part 2 is a better film than this. Oh, it's for sure a better film than this. It's not my favorite Zucker, Zucker and Abrams movie. In fact, it might be my least favorite of their movies, but it's for sure still better than this. I mean, that is honestly the best thing that this movie does is provide the opening stick fighting scene that they then use in hot shots which is far more entertaining in hot shots because again as an action guy i didn't even think the stick fighting scene was all that impressive i mean i was impressed it was clearly stallone but like i just watched enter the dragon last night man like this movie isn't holding up to that as far as fight scenes go but the one in hot shots part two is really funny and really well done any closing thoughts read the book I, I I have really been hard on this movie. I will tell you that the the novelization is like five bucks on Amazon. The character is John Rambo. He feels like Rambo. There were points in the book as I was reading it that I just I got chills. I got kind of verklempt a little bit at some of the things that happened in it. I just the novelization is the movie we should have gotten. If we had gotten a movie of the novelization, we might actually be talking about Rambo as one of the all-time great movie franchises. That's how good I think the novelization is. Do you think 1988 movie-going action-hungry audiences would have been prepared for the novelization? Do you think they would have been able to pull that off? They made First Blood a hit. They did. Well said. For me, uh, again, this is just a film, and you said it perfectly, it's just a movie that you can skip. You can watch the first Rambo, you can watch the second, you can watch the fourth. We'll talk about the fifth in a few weeks. But this one doesn't even have to be, it's not even really part of the canon. If you look at the, you know, the, the sort of the, the, the overarching story of Rambo's life in this franchise. It's one that I don't, if not for this podcast, I would probably have not revisited this film. It's been years since I've seen it. I ironically, like you, I own this on Blu-ray, but I bought that box set because I wanted First Blood on Blu-ray. And it was relatively cheap at the time when I bought it. And I haven't, I watch First Blood quite a bit. It looks stunning on Blu-ray. And uh, it's, you know, the other two are films that I just don't honestly revisit or have any interest in revisiting. So not showing my cards, but I feel like enough time had passed between Rambo 3 and the fourth Rambo, just known as Rambo, that I saw that opening weekend. So I'll ask you this, and we'll leave this as a little teaser for our next episode. Did you see the fourth Rambo movie in the theater? Opening day. Opening day. Yeah, me too. So we won't lay it. Well, that's that's as much as uh, of our cards as we're going to show. Mike, if people want to follow you on social media. Uh, you can find me at Hibachi Justice on Twitter. You can also find me at Hibachi Justice on Letterboxd, where I, I, I rate all the movies I watch. But also you can uh, find our ongoing list of 20th Century Movie Club recommendations. Those are the only places I really am. But but please follow me there because I tend to tweet out a lot of stuff about action movies. And so if you enjoy this uh, franchise retrospective, I will hopefully turn you on to some uh, some good action movies. Uh, not Rambo 3. Not Rambo 3. <laughs> I love it. If you want to follow this show on Twitter, you can do so at Dana Buckler Show. You can follow me on Twitter at Dana Buckler. You can follow the show on Instagram at the Dana Buckler Show. You can email us with questions or comments at the Dana Buckler Show at gmail.com. So, Mike, three down, two to go. And uh, again, don't want to lay the cards on the table, but I am really looking forward to the next one. Yeah, I, I want to just I, so delicately let listeners know that there are other movies in this franchise that we haven't talked about that we love and we're going to mm-hmm. and we're going to get to that so don't feel like this is just like we love the movie, first movie and we're just going to shit on the rest like this story it picks back up i promise so mike thank you very much as always stay safe and we'll talk soon all right thank you sir and my name is dana buckler and thank you so much for listening